Everybody get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with the one and only, okay? <laughs> Producer extraordinaire. Now, you, you got a couple Grammys under the belt? No, no Grammys. Gra- yet. Grammy nominated? Um, I don't think Grammy nominated. Soul, tra- Soul Train nominated. Well, <laughs> Not Soul Train. Um, Source <laughs> Awards nominated. Listen, listen, I got some plaques, man. So the plaques, that's what means something to me. You got a catalog, okay? Yeah, yeah I mean, millions, millions of people have bought my records. I'm, the, I'm happy with that. The one and only Austinist is here, man. Glad to have you here, man. Thank you, my brother. Now, w- w- when you think about when you say you got a couple of plaques, like, mm-hmm. does it still mean for producers? Does it still mean something to get plaques? Because I heard some people say, like, it, you know, today in day and age, it, it, you know, it's because of streaming is different. It's kind of, and I, I don't want to sound like a hater because they're gonna be like, yo, he, he's just a hater because he 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 was out in two thousand one and two thousand two. It's easier to, to to get a plaque now because of streaming. So. What'll happen is somebody puts a project out, and if one record gets streamed a serious amount of times and it's attached to the album, the album will go platinum. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sure, and sure. now you don't have to. One person can one person can give you multiple streams, as opposed to back in the day when somebody bought a single. One person bought a single, and if it was, if it was one person but bought multiple singles, they paid their money to buy multiple singles. Now when you stream, you're still paying that same ninety nine nine ninety nine a month, no matter if you streamed nine hundred and ninety nine thousand sure, sure. times. Sure, it's like so, join, joining a book club, right? So it's a little it's a little different. It's easier to get the if you have hardcore fans. You'll get a plaque. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, look at all the new artists now got plaques. Whoever you name, they got plaques. Not saying that they don't deserve it, but it's just easier to acquire now because you don't need, a, like, physically a million or ha- half a million people to buy something. Do you remember the first time you ever got a plaque? Yeah, definitely. When was it? What song? It was, um, my first plaque was uh, for Diplomatic Community. Mm. So it was 11 songs. Mm. So it was like, I, and to be honest with you, Def Jam never sent me the plaque. It was on some really, yeah, sucker shit. So you don't have, you don't no, have. No, I it. got the plaque. Okay, but I had to. I got, I went and got the plaque myself. Okay, okay. You know, you still got to be attached to the album to get the plaque. But um, Def Jam didn't do what most labels do and say, yo, you know what, this this dude not only did was he on the album, but he produced three quarters of the album. Let me send him a fucking plaque. Mm. But they never did that. Mm. Still got love for Def Jam. Though. Now, 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 let me ask you something. With being a producer for how many years now? Um. Professionally or just, well, there's pretty much one in the same. Professionally for 17 years. Mm, 17 Pro- years. Yeah, producing for producing for 18. Professionally, for, so I got my first check a year in. How how, how did that happen? Um, I just kind of, I knew people that knew people, right? So it was like um, I had a dude that was running around and he wanted to manage we didn't have a name for the group yet. I mean, for the, for the team of producers, he came up with the name like, "Yo, you know, it'd be dope if I if I if if I got a group of producers and I named them the Heatmakers." So here's how Heatmakers came about. He got us a placement with um, Razkaz at the time. This okay. was this was like ni- yeah, this was like 2000 or 99. He got us a placement with Razkaz, and we he told us we got paid a certain amount for the track. You know, back then I was ignorant to so it because I was. So what the fuck did you know? Right, so. He gave us the check, and I took ha- half the check, went to my partner at the time, the other half went to me, and I, around that time, I was having my first, what's the matter? Yeah, this was definitely, 
99 because my daughter was about to be born. So I took my half of the check and I just bought stuff for my daughter that was about to be born. And years later, I'm in an office and I'm talking to a dude who who, who worked on the Razzcast project at the time. He was like, yo, you got paid good for your first record. And I'm like, what you mean? I got paid $2,500. He was like, what do you mean? We paid you 8000 Mm. So I'm like, so the moral of the story is I found that I got jerked out of that money years later. So I took around during that period of time, I took the name Heatmakers, incorporated it, got it all together and was off to the races. And then it was Dipset. So I know he probably looked back like I jerked this dude too early, like fresh off of that. I got a six figure check from Dipset right after that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's how it's got to be done. Yeah. Most people are listening who may know of you or who may not know of you. Mm -hmm. Now, when people think of Heatmakers. Right. It's only two people, right? It was only two? Well, yeah, it was only two. Now it's one. Now it's just me. Okay, so it was you and uh, Thriller. Thriller. Right. You still cool with Thriller? Yeah, Thriller's my brother, man. I've known Thriller since I was six years old. Mm. So, you know, like, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm godfather to one of his kids. Mm. <laughs> if I'm mm. not mistaken, that sounds crazy, right? But yeah, I think so. But that's my homeboy for life, man. We're, yeah. like, we're like brothers more than friends, you know what I'm saying? So it could never be a disconnect between us. He just do moving on to... See, Thriller's the type of person that... He likes fast money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when the money, like when the heat makers was rocking and money was coming in, hand over fist was like, he was with it. But when it started to slow down, he had to, you know, his personality, he jumped to other things. And I respect that because if your heart ain't really in it, I don't really want you to be in it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you were born in Jamaica. Yeah. You came here when you are four years old. Yeah. You know, do you remember any inkling of Jamaica, like of how it was, or uh, not Jamaica itself? But my whole family's Jamaican, so it's like I'm in Jamaica when I'm at my mother's crib, or I'm at my grandmother's crib when I was at my grandmother's crib, um, or aunts' cribs, uncles. It's like everybody's heavily Jamaican, so it's not like I'm not too far removed from Jamaica being here. And because you grew up uh, in New York, you, yeah, in the Bronx, you, and the Bronx is—if you know about the Bronx, half of the Bronx is Jamaican sure, anyway. Sure, you know, so. But you—you you don't have any like, any real accent, like you don't not have any, a heavy I accent. Mean, I'm, I'm forty. I came here when I was four. You know, so you know if if I get angry and shit like that, the accent comes out Uh-oh. sometimes. But see, see, see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I would say. But but you know, you, you know, when you think about like taking it back and and you grew up with you, you came here when you were four. You grew up with your mother and father. Yeah. What do moms do? Mother's a nurse. Okay. My father's an uh, engineer. You know, off air we were speaking about, um, you know, growing up and, and kind of relating about fathers. Right. And, you know, my father worked three jobs. I ain't seen him a lot. And But more importantly, uh, he was a good man. He just he just wasn't that dude that was going to go outside and play ball with me. Right. You Same know? thing with my father. But at the end of the day, I, like, being older and looking back now, and I'm sure you can understand why your father was the way he was. True. And, like, even me with my father, I just know he wasn't built to be a certain type of father, which is no disrespect to him. It's just, like, I just know me and him are different in, in a lot of different ways. We're almost polar opposites in a way. Like, with me... I'll risk my last in something I believe in. My father's more safe. Like, if something has a, a security net, he's with that. I'm going for the shit without the net, but the bigger reward. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, again, it's not to knock him. It's just I wanted to push things to the limit. Like, I, like growing up, I watched my mother I watched my mother be a nurse. I watched my, my father was a—my father, well, I think he retired now. He's an engineer. And for me, it was like I don't want to work for anybody. Because I've had, but, but, I've why, had but why'd you feel that way? Because like? I've had jobs growing up, and I've watched how people with people in higher positions treat people in lower positions, and I never wanted to be subject to that anymore. Like you know, I, I worked, I worked 
like janitorial jobs. I've worked in movie theaters. I've worked in fucking amusement parks at nacho stands. You know what I'm saying? When I was younger. And I just watched the way people that had authority talk to people under them. And it was kind of like, I don't want to live my life like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to work for myself. So if God forbid things don't work, I don't have anybody to blame but myself. But you're a young kid. You're in New York. Right. What did you even want to be? Like, okay, you had a couple of those jobs, but what did you really want to be? Really, it's going to sound totally out of left field, but I really wanted to. I really wanted to be at the time before I went to college. My my aspirations were to be a baseball player. Really? Yeah, because I, I was I was heavy in the baseball. Shortstop. No, center field. Center field, okay. Yeah. That's a big position. Nice to play center field. Lead off hitter, center field, fastest man on the team. Man, let's not get that. Uh, <laughs> got the trophies in the crib to prove it. But okay, okay. Yeah, I wanted to play baseball, but then when when I got to when I got to uh, college and I started to see... The Where'd you go to st- college? Howard University. HU? Is that, is that the original HU? Of course. <laughs> For me, it is. <laughs> I ask everybody that. Yeah, who you went know there. people that go to Hampton go yeah, say yeah, whatever yeah. they say, but this, Hampton ain't like Howard. But, um, so yeah, I went to play baseball until I actually seen how fast they were throwing at the collegiate level. I'm like, nah, I'm not with this no more. So when I got to college... I got into D... Well, actually, in high school, the end of high school, I got into DJing, but I took it more seriously in What's college. What's your name in there? Arsonist. So DJ Arsonist? Yeah. How did that even come up? Because um, my first name was GQ because <laughs> I used to like the movie Juice, right? Okay, so okay. I named myself GQ. And my cousin's like, yo, that shit can't work, man. You can't. Come on, man. They already got GQ, this, that, and the third. And um, one of my homeboys was like, yo, you should call yourself Arsonist, man, because you you, you know, you play fire mixes and shit. Like some corny shit back in the day. Yeah, but yeah, sure. It just stuck. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people just call me R for short, but... um. It just stuck, and then he, it's funny enough that I, I told you another guy made up the name Heatmakers, and Heatmakers just worked with Arsonist, so it was like it was almost meant to be. So we just kept it, and here we are. So you DJing the end of high school, right? And got into college and was DJing in college. How'd you get into Howard? How did I get in? Yeah, was it hard? Because I, <laughs> no, I mean, for I'm, like here's the thing: I'm not a, I've never really been a like a dumb dude. Mm. When it comes to school. I've always been disinterested with school because it never kept my attention sure. unless it was something I wanted to do. So I had decent grades. I could have gotten into different colleges, but I just, I never knew what I wanted to do in college. I really went to college to be an architect. That, that was my major. It was architecture. So um, my major's architecture. I'm doing music on the side. And I knew I didn't want to be a DJ forever. But when I came back home, I got kicked out of college. Why'd you get kicked out? Um... Got into like a huge brawl out there. Really? Uh, yeah, it got crazy. Oh, oh, oh. Got into a huge brawl and um, relationship. Uh, no, it over was a actually girl? actually was over a girl, but it wasn't really even relationship. It was some dudes that were trying to protect a girl because they felt that I hurt her feelings by not calling her back after we had you know sure, sure. relationship relations. with each other. <laughs> yeah, relations. Relations is such a it. funny word, but yeah, after we had relations, I guess they felt away because I wasn't. I was in. in in the terms now was dubbing her so one day i'm coming out of my architect school of architecture and i see about 20 dudes waiting but i'm not i don't think nothing of it you know what i'm saying i'm like okay it's just 20 dudes so i'm talking to a friend of mine we walking down the block and these same 20 dudes are just following me and i'm like what the fuck is going on i'm still not thinking nothing about it get into the building chill in the building for a couple of hours come downstairs and the same keep in mind i said i'm chilling for a couple of hours come downstairs the same dudes waiting in the lobby and i'm like one of the dudes approached me like, yo, you know such and such? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. What's up? And I yo, let me holler at you. I'm like, and you know, where, where I'm from, when somebody wants to sure, holler sure, at you sure. that you don't know, you sure. know what that means already. Sure. So I'm like, all right. I had one of my homeboys that was in the building at the time. 
and I called him. I said, yo, listen, man, this is a situation. If you, if you want to get it rocking, you could come downstairs. If you don't want to, I fully understand it. He comes downstairs. And I'm just like, all right, let me make it to my car. My car was across the street. I'm like, let me make it to my car. If I make it to my car, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get my cousin. We're going to get some things and come back. They let me make it to my car, go home, come back with my cousin. And it's me, my cousin, and my other homeboy. And it's like, now when we come back, it's like an hour later. So if it was 20, now it's down to like 15. My cousin walks up to the biggest dude and just hooks off on him and all hell breaks loose. So like I'm getting hit, I'm hitting people, shit is getting crazy. And the next day was I just brought more people back and it turned into part two. And that was the last time I was in school because I had to leave after that because people got hurt, like ribs broken, jaws cracked, like it was, it was bad. So I came home and my homeboy Thriller was had just bought an MPC and I'm home from school. And I didn't know what the fuck to do. So I'm like, yo, let me hold your MP because he was going out of town. He let me hold it. I made some beats on it. Um, coincidentally enough, a couple weeks later, run into a house producer by the name of Todd Terry. Mm -hmm. Go to Todd. My man brings me to Todd Terry house. Todd Terry said he had an artist that he he needed beats for, and I had those two beats that I made, so I played it for him. He was like, "Yo, I want him. How much?" I made up a number. I told him like, "Yo, just give me a give me a grand for each one." And he's like, "I bet." Goes into the back into a safe in his back back room, brings out two thousand dollars, gives it to me, <laughs> and he was like, "Yo, what um." what equipment do you use? I'm like, yo, I don't have equipment. I just use my homeboy's equipment. He's like, where you live at? I'm like, I live in the Bronx. He was like, all right, cool. We talk about it for a minute. I leave. Like about three days later, or a few days later, he sends me like $20,000 worth of equipment Fuck. in my crib. What, yeah. what do you want to do, business together? Right, so I asked him, I said, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, um, whenever you make it big, you just owe me two free beats. And we've just been cool ever since. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I know that don't happen to most people, Damn. but I just know that's like a, a reason I'm supposed to be making music. Because every time I try to even step away from music, it's almost like things get dropped in my lap. Like, no, you have to do this. You know, it's funny because most people probably wouldn't have that type of push. Right. And, and you, you know, I'm sure at that point in time, maybe you weren't fully believing in yourself either. Like, yo, I don't know what I, I'm doing Yeah, for to be it. honest with you, I was... As far as production goes, the two beats I gave him were trash. Mm. I say that now. Like, those are the first two beats I ever made, so you can imagine what they sounded sure. like. And he wanted them and paid me 2000 for them. And I'm, in my head, it was like, all right, if I dedicate myself to this shit, I can really make something good for some real money, you know. And after the Todd situation, my first connection after that was Fat Joe and Big Pun. How did that happen? Uh, a friend of mine went to school with uh, with Cuban Link. Okay, and, shout out to Cuban Link. Yeah, shout out to Cuban Link. And, and um, he told Cuban Link that his homeboys produced, and he, you know they set it up for us to come through to the studio. So Joe was there, Pun was there, um, who was there? My man Sunkiss at the time was there, um, and you know the rest of them, Armageddon, Triple sure, C, it's all sure. of us there. And uh, we played beats. Pun had liked something, and at that time I didn't know how it worked. So the same beat that Pun had liked, um, Cannabis wanted. Mm. So I didn't know how to play it. I'm like, yo, um, your cannabis said he wanted this. He was, and then Pun was like, who? I'm like, I said, your cannabis. He said, who? And I was like, cannabis. He said, no, I know who cannabis is. He said, but you going to give it to cannabis instead of me? And I didn't, again, I'm new to the games. So I'm like, yo, how does this shit work? Do I give it to Pun? Do I? <laughs> and, you know, uh, unfortunately, Pun ended up passing away, like, not too long after that. Mm. So it was, um, but, yeah, I could, I can honestly, and, I guess luckily enough say that I met Pun before he passed and was about to do business with him. So that was like one of my first experiences was Big was uh, big Pun and Fat Joe. Now, many people who know Austin as uh, the producer, 
um, one half of hit, um, um, Heat Makers, right. they'll know that it's heavy Dipset. Of How the fuck did you even meet Dipset? Where did that even come from? Uh, you know a dude by the name Renee McLean? Uh, I heard him. All right, Renee McLean at the time, back then, he was managing Cam, but he also was in charge of, like, if you... See, back then, pre-internet like, craze and shit like that, back then, if you wanted to get a song on the radio, there were certain people that you went through to kind of get it to the DJs or whatever the case was, and Renee was one of them. So we had a group that we were working with at the time, me and my homeboys, and we were trying to get him on the radio, so we went to go see Renee, and, you know, we're paying him, we're paying him to do what we needed him to do, and he's like, yo, um... What do y'all do? We like we produce. He was like, "Yo, you got beats," and I always walk with beats on me. So I had a sure. C- I had a CD with like 20, 20 beats on there, something like that. I gave it to him, and I remember me and my homeboys were out in North Carolina, like about a week later, and I get a call, and it's Cam on the phone, because Renee was managing Cam at the time, but we didn't know. He just said he wanted some beats, so um, Cam calls and he's like, "Yo, yo, I like I like some of those beats off the CD." This is Cam, and I'm like. I don't believe it's Cam. Because I can't like, sure, sure. calling my fucking phone. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it was Cam. Came back to New York, went to Baseline, and the rest is history. We've just been rocking ever since. Now, why because do you off th- of that CD? They picked nine out of the eleven records on Diplomatic Community. Now, now, there's many ways to even like, like just just hearing that of how that started to like unravel for you. Right. One, how did you even know publishing? Meaning, like, did you know how to get your name on these things? or No, but see, at that time, I just knew that a lawyer had to be involved. So I you just, called the lawyer? Or? I, right. I, somebody put us on with a lawyer. Big shouts to Matt Middleton. That was my lawyer at the yep. time. And, um, you know, Matt pretty much... I really got to shout Matt out for a lot of things because Matt kind of walked me through, without him knowing, of how publishing worked. You know what I'm saying? To a certain extent, and the rest of that I didn't know. I figured out. I figured out through the years. But Matt was the first one to make sure that we had our publishing. Made sure that if we sampled and the sample took a certain amount, the artist took half the hit for that. Like things that I didn't know could happen. Matt made happen. So you know, big shout out to Matt Middleton. So so as you as you learn and you obviously got yourself a lawyer right. about publishing. You know, you were basically setting yourself up for the future. You know, right. most people don't even know because you're living at that time. You just and I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that because in my head, the upfront money was what I wanted. Like, okay, how much they gonna pay for this track? What? All right, cool. When when I get the check, my when at that time my question should have been, how much of the publishing are they leaving sure, us? Sure. You know what I'm saying? What's my ownership of the record, if any? You know what I'm saying? Things like that. But back then, again, you thinking because the publishing comes like almost like a year and a half later if it's a successful record. I mean, now it's different because, you know, different distribution outlets are paying quicker. But back then, you would have to wait for all the paperwork to get sorted out and your your splits to get kind of separated. You'd have to wait. So like a year and a half before you saw your, your first check, if that album you worked on was in the green. Because if it wasn't in the green, you wasn't getting publishing until it was sure, in the green. Sure. So that's why a lot of people overlook publishing because it might take years to get to you. People don't want to wait. I mean, let's be real, man. I mean, where I grew up, where you grew up, I mean, it's almost the same era. And even even to this day, patience, nobody has. I guarantee if you get 20 people in this room one by one and you offer each each of them a $100,000 check or $80,000 in cash, 85% of them or more will take the cash. Yeah. We'll take twenty thousand dollars less because they don't want to have a check that they have to cash. That simple. For some people, I have a friend I grew up with who he doesn't like opening bank accounts. You know, 
So he'll go to a check cashing place if he has something. And, and it's the worst. And I'm like, yo, you're going to che- he's going to check cashing places with twenty, thirty thousand, paying thousand, right, two thousand. I'm like, yo, it, 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 it came to a point where I was like, damn, I wish I had the money. I'll give it to you. Let me keep that two thousand. Like, right. let me get like not even. And so I guess what I'm saying is, at that time too, people. Just worried about the money, like right now. If you would say, like, "Yo, what, what could what could work with this publishing is you could be set up to get this amount for many years to come." People are like, "Well, fuck that, man! Give me the money right of now." Of course, and that to be honest with you, whether people admit it now or not, I guarantee you, a lot of the new artists ain't on it like that. Sure, because they getting the money from shows, they getting the money from features, they getting the money up front. So I guarantee you, they not they don't ever. Here's the thing: when you hot, you don't ever think the money's gonna stop. Sure, ever. Because my thing was this: when I was on fire, I would look, I would wake up and think like this. All right, cool. My lawyer, my lawyer got about eight checks to get for me. That adds up to this. All right, cool. This, this dude said he wants to buy three beats from me tomorrow. All right, I'm gonna make that. And then I, you understand? Like there was always a pipeline of bread to the point where you could be like, I'm good. I know I got at least another two hundred thousand in the pipeline. Sure, I don't gotta sure. worry about. You understand? So until the day comes where you like, I don't got shit in the pipeline. Like, what the fuck? You understand? Like, people don't know that day until you get to it. And, and, and at that time, it's too late to react. You know, you were 17 years in, say. You know, it could be more, could be a little bit less. But right. it's a long time already. You're like a seasoned veteran. You, you, know, you know, how 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 do you still survive? Is publishing keeping you surviving or is it just working? Just continue it, to work. It's a, it's a bunch of things. I mean, you got to remember, I have a, a lot of publishing scattered throughout, whether it's TV, movies, um, records. Like my, Who, who's some? Could you name? Uh, like, um, what, like movies and stuff. Well, well like, okay, um, uh, records. Okay, Diplomatic Community, 11 tracks. Uh, Jewels from me to you, 12 tracks. Little Wayne, the Carter two, two tracks. Uh, Cam's come home with me, two tracks. Um, uh, uh, Little Flip, uh, what was the name of his album? I forgot what the name of his album was. Uh, Game Over, at one track. Um, what about TV and stuff like that? Oh, TV. Um, uh, I did a theme song. I did a theme song for the show Hong's World. Okay. I did the theme song to that. Um, couple different Nike commercials, Reebok commercials. Um, I just got a, a new song in the new Uncle Drew movie. Okay, nice. Uh, so, so go ahead. So you say you say that you got publishing scattered all over. Right. So you might, and here's the thing, when you have publishing on records, you never know when a movie or a, might want to license it. So you might get an email out the blue like, yo, such and such has $30,000 to license this record that you did back in 2007. You know what I'm saying? So the more work you have out there, the better chance you have of it actually springing into something. Like they, you could have 90% of your work that's dead, but if one of them catch a, a fucking Jeep Dodge commercial, mm, mm. that can keep you alive for a year and a half. Now, now is is from a producer's point because I wouldn't know, but is it? Are you, so you're notified of it, or just you just get a check in the mail? No, you have to agree to it. Okay. Because here's the thing: if there's, if let's just say. Me, you, and somebody else on a record. We're all equal as far as public. Own, owners. Yeah, as far as the writer's side go. They can't put that record out if you were a part of it without your consent, without my consent, without the other person's consent. So if one of us says no, it's a done deal. None of us get the money. That's the crazy part. Mm. We all have to agree and say, okay, cool, you can use this record for this movie. Mm. But we, none of us would have a reason not to say, to say yes. Unless one of us is filthy rich and we don't need the money, we we just trying to be assholes, then 
that that would be the only reason. But yeah, you need everybody's permission as far to do it. But again, publishing can keep you alive if you have enough. You just have to have enough of it. Has it kept you alive? Yeah, that plus other things. I've like me opening a studio. Mm-hmm. In in Midtown for the last nice. six years, you know what I'm saying. Like now, this, now people come, you know, right? And it make, it makes sense. I was spending money to rent other people's studio when 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 this is my livelihood. What's the name of it? Uh, Diamond District Studios. Nice. Yeah. Now, did you get over the years? Did you get into like any property or any type of uh, investments or you restaurants? No, because my thing is this: I'm a big believer in when I do something, I have to be able to dedicate a certain amount of time and energy to it. I'm not the type that'll call and check on something once a week and be like, yo, so how's the restaurant going? It's good. All right, how's the build out coming? It's all right. I don't want to do that. I want to be there. Like when I was building a studio, I didn't, I built a studio at that time because I knew I had the time to oversee it, to actually design it, to put it together, to have people come in and build it and watch it being created. Other than that, I don't want to put my hand in something that I can't really that I can't really give 110% to. So to answer your question, that's why I never did that because I'm going to save that for a different section of my life where I can actually sit back and invest and watch my investments. Was there ever like, um, well, what about even like SoundScan? Do you, you got to agree to that or did sometimes you'll get a check like a month? Like SoundScan? Or was it, is this a SoundScan? Or what, what is it when um, Abscat? Oh, ASCAP? ASCAP. ASCAP and yeah. BMI? Yeah, now, now is, is See, that... that... That's the writer's side of publishing. Okay. That's That's the side where if something gets played on a radio... Yes. If something gets played in a commercial, like, there's different rates Do you for know that. of that? Yeah. Like, okay. Because I feel like sometimes I spoke to some artists and friends that, that you know, one month they, they look at the envelope, it comes and it's like $500. Next thing it's like, oh, shit, it's just 50000 Like Yeah, because... Like, they didn't know of that? You won't know exactly what it's going to be because, again, if if they're playing your record heavy in California and not playing it too much in New York, you probably can't gauge it. But, again, it's, there's so many different outlets to play music, whether it's XM, whether it's, um, you know, if it's XM, if it's if it's um, regular radio and Hot 97 or whatever the case is. Sure. So you won't know who's playing what, how many times, unless you're just reading out notes after every day. Like, okay, cool, they played it 200 times today in the United States. They play. Nobody knows. So that's why that check is really a surprise. Like, when I get a check from BMI, it's a surprise to me. I know the ballpark of what it'll be over the years. You know, you can kind of gauge it. But sometimes you'll get it, and it'll be twice the amount. And you'll be like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. because a country, some, a country somewhere have been playing dips at Anthem out of control. Sure. And you just don't know. You know what I mean? Listen, you know, um, right. Keep keeping it right on that note. Speaking of Dipset Anthem, mm-hmm. How how the fuck did you even make? this track like like where were you what was going on like break it down for us um i was in my mother's basement where i was most of the time back then but um like i said my family's jamaican so i, I used to run out of records to sample so i used to my mother used to keep like well i don't know if anybody remembers this because this is 2018 you got to be a certain age to remember this you you, you should sure. remember you remember the turntable setups where the turntable was on top it might have been like an equalizer underneath it a tape deck uh, and it was just like a cabinet, and then on sure, the bottom, like, yeah, yeah sure. then on the bottom you could put records on the bottom. So my mother used to have those that full of like 
Jamaican records. So I was just, I, I, I used to just go through and grab a handful and go back down to the basement and bring them back up. And one of the handfuls I grabbed was, um, was uh, Sanchez, One in a Million. And I just remember hearing that intro and like, yo, I got to keep this feeling going for as long as I can. Like, because, you know, if you heard the original record, it drops into, a, it's a love song. Sure. So when I heard the intro, I'm like, yo, how can I keep this intro going for the length of a song to keep that excitement going? So that was my whole thing, making that beat. So after, to be honest with you, that beat was about to get thrown out. Yeah, I remember, I remember hearing you say that. Yeah, my cousin walked in and said, yo, that's fire. And I'm like, you think so? He was like, because was, that was probably like my fifth beat for the day. So my ears were kind of, I'm like, because I didn't want to start thinking everything was hot. But my cousin, he came in and was like, yeah, that's fire. You, you bugging, you going to throw that out. I kept it. Now, so so, when did you finish that beat and then show it to Dipset? Like, can no, it was when he, when I was going to throw it out, it was done. Okay, so it was done, <laughs> and then where, where'd you go? You, you invite them into the studio? No, um, because back then, you know, it always they was in the studio at least five nights a week if they wasn't on the road. So they would just be like, "Yo, come through to the studio and bring some beats," because that was the thing. It was no, it was no real email. You couldn't email. Sure, sure. So now it was like you had to be face to face. So I go down a baseline. It would be, I'd be in there, Kanye would be in there, Just Blaze would be in there. It was just, it was almost like the 96 draft in there, man. Like, it was, you know <laughs> what I mean, before we knew what it was. And um, it was just... So what'd you say? You said, yo, I got something for you? Or? Nah, I didn't, to be honest with you, because I didn't look at that as a special beat. You but, know, like, but, some but beats when, I make, I yeah. feel like a special. I didn't feel like that was special. But, okay, I, I, I guess I can see what you're saying, but... but that is special, right? So it was just in the it was in the batch, and then Cam picked it, and Cam kept calling it that Bob Marley shit. He was like, "Yo, play that Bob Marley shit again," and I'm like, you know, I didn't want to tell him who I I didn't think he even cared who it was. So I gave him the record. A couple of days later, they played it for me and was like, "Yo, this shit gonna make the album because the album was almost done. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the last records to make the album. Lucky enough, because that drove the album. You know what I'm saying?" So, um, yeah, they loved it from the gate, but I did so many records for them. It's hard for me to see any different level of excitement from one record to the sure. other. I guess from being on the inside looking like, out. Well, honestly, the newest record, Come Home With Me, was the first time I ever spoke to, in recent memory, that I, I spoke to Jim, Cam, and Joel's on the same day separately. Like, they all called me separately, like, yo, I need a beat like that. Or I need, or send me some beats, you know what I'm saying? When I did the Once Upon a Time and I gave it to Jim... Jim posted it on his gram, and they were all hitting me individually, like, yo, I need something like that. And this is, honestly, I think this might have been before Cam and Jim had even spoke, I think. But it was around that time, so maybe they were just starting to speak again. But it, everything worked out dope. So with the newer track, Once Upon a Time. New York City, home of the pretty women. Harlem, what's up? Well, you gotta get the dough before you get the women. Get your money up. Middle of the winter, I'm buying shit to swim in. How did, how did you come up like to evolve later on to make a song for Dipset now and not like it was before did you just keep the same energy I just think it's again I make music based off of feeling so I don't I don't think I have to try to make something now I am now mm. you know I don't want to sound like <laughs> no, no I get it. like I'm trying to be Socrates or some shit like that but I am now so I can't make something that sounded like 2003 because I'm my mind state is now. Mm. Even if I tried to make something that sounded like older Dipset and and make an exact replica, I couldn't do it now. That's like we, we was having a conversation about the, the, the piece that I did on Genius where I was remaking Dipset Anthem and I told him like I wouldn't even know how to remake this if I didn't have this disc right here to load up because 
I can't go back then. I don't even know what I was thinking then, what was going on in my mind. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm You're thinking something crazy that night for sure. Right, like I, I was, I was, you know, I was broke. Mm. That was a different, it's a different type of hunger when you broke. Like anybody that's broke could tell you that. Like it's one thing to just be low on money. Like your bills take all your money. And there's another thing to be broke. Sure. You work with a different type of energy when you're broke. Sure. An energy that you can't duplicate. You can't act broke. You know how some people be like, yo, I'm going to go back to the same neighborhood I grew up in to get the same feeling so I could write this album. You're never going to get that feeling back because when you was in that neighborhood, you was broke with no options. So you wrote like that. Sure. Now you got money and you can't write like that no more because you can't hide. Ha- Here's my thing. Even even if you lied to the public about you having money and being a certain level of success, having a certain level of success, you still know in your heart you have it. Like, no matter what I tell people, I know what's in my bank account. Mm. You understand? So it's like I work according, not saying I work according to that, but the drive is different. I have drive now, but I have drive for a different reason than than what I did. Back then it was survival. It was it was a drive like you kill what you you eat what you kill. True, no, I get it. Now it's like now it's kinda like you have to make smarter moves now as opposed to just running wild and before it was like almost like Every man for himself, the wild, wild west, we got to get it by any means. Now it's like you make your next move your best move. Mm. You don't have, like, at the, and I, I don't want to speak for you too, but we're we're in the same age group. You can't waste time on moves no more. You had that luxury in your 20s. In your 20s, you could kind of make 15, 20 mistakes and be like, ah, fuck it, let's just try. Now it's like you make 15, 20 mistakes, five years passed. True. Sure. And you set your back like a motherfucker. Right. So it's like, I don't have the luxury. It, that I did back then to do some of the things I did so I can't make the same music. So to answer your question, the the, the reason I, I was able to make Once Upon a Time is because I guess that's the more mature version of, of what Dipset dip, dip dip should feel like is, is Once Upon a Time. You know what I mean? That's the more mature version of, to me, the older records. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I That's it. how I see it. So I don't think I have to try to make those records. I just think those records are me. What's the favorite beat? What's the, what's your favorite beat you ever made? I'm ready. Really? Yeah. It wasn't the, it wasn't the most complicated beat? It was my favorite just because, again, the feeling of it, the feeling of that record is unmatched with or without vocals on it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, what's a beat you ever heard that you're like, damn, I wish I made that beat? Uh, the you don't know what you're doing. One that just did for uh, for Jay. Mm. I knew I would have made that beat. If I'd have had that, and the crazy part is, I had that sample, and my uncle kept it from me, like a clown. It was my grandmother's record, and my uncle would not give it up because he said I didn't know how to treat records. Because I used to take them out the sleeves, leave them out. Yeah. So he finally gave it to me like about three months after I asked him, and one of the records he gave me was that record that just did. Mm. You know, you think about seventeen plus years in this game, and you speak about how you continue to make music, get in the studio. Is there, you worked with Dipset, you worked with Beyonce, right? right. Actually, what's the, tell the Beyonce story. So how, right. how did that happen? The Beyonce thing was this. Um, I did a, I had a record. First of all, let me trace back to how, how the record started. There was a guitar player that played for Bruce Springsteen that that used to have a homeboy on the same. I owned a studio on 57th Street. One of my first studios was on 57th Street and Broadway. This was like 2000 and like 2000, right? So the person that owned that studio used to manage Bruce Springsteen. 
who who owned who rent who owned the space that I rented from. He used to manage Bruce Springsteen, and so a couple of Bruce Springsteen's band members would you know randomly come through to check him. Sure. And one time I'm in there, and, and he was and the, the guitar player. I think he was on um, if I'm not mistaken, he was on um. Sopranos, Sopranos. Oh, Stephen Van Zandt. Yeah, Van Steve, Zandt. Yeah. Right. So Stephen Van Zandt. Silvio. Right. About he, he comes into the studio and he's like, um, he was like, "Yo, let me." He said, "Let's fuck around and do something." So I'm like, "All right, shit." So he plugs up the guitar. He plays a bunch of shit. And he was like, "I said, yo, he was he was about to walk out." I said, "Yo, you want me to make you a copy of something?" She said, "Nah, I don't give a shit about that. Just do whatever you do with that." I took the guitar shits years later because I forgot he did it. This is after we moved out of the spot. I I find the guitar riffs and I, I arrange them because I was going to put drums around them. I arrange them. I chop them up. I, I, I make like a nice arrangement of, out of it. And I remember I had it on a CD because I was trying to, I was playing over and over for myself, tr- trying to f- figure out what I was going to do with the drums on there. So I have them and I had it in the car. I, I had a meeting down at Sony and I'm playing music for somebody at Sony and I forgot that record was on the CD and it started playing. I'm like, nah, that's not finished. Go to the next one. She was like, nah, let me, let me hear that. She was like, yo, I love that. I want to give that to Solange to write to. I said, yo, but let me finish it. It's like, nah, just leave it like that, acoustic. So I'm like, all right, cool. So then they call me back like, yo, Solange wrote to it. She wrote a record for Josh Stone. So I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. They said, but we got Beyonce to reference it. So when they played the reference for Josh Stone, I think she heard the Beyonce reference and was like, yo, I'm, I can't sing it. Like, I'm not going to sing it as good as that. So I don't want it no more. So Beyonce ended up keeping it. And I had a meeting with her father to discuss the to discuss the terms of the uh, the percentages of the record. <laughs> how did that go? Let's, how, how let's was just it? say was that's it? why that record never came out mainstream because, I mean, you tell me if I'm bugging, but, okay, so we have a meeting. He gives me a card pretty much and tells me this is going to be the split of the record. When, you know, I mean, anybody that knows music and knows how publishing splits work, you know I didn't sample nothing off of that record. Sure. So 50% is supposed to come to me. There's no There's no debate about that. Solange wrote the record, so she gets the other 50%. That's how it's supposed to be, right? So he slips me a card with different percentages on there for who's going to get what. You know what I'm saying? And I just know my percentage was tiny. And I'm like, how do we get to this number? So he explained it to me how he felt we got to that number. And my big thing is be straight up with me. You understand what I'm saying to you? Like, don't try to don't try to hit me with the, 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 old, with the old school game. Like, I don't know what's going on out here. Like, my thing is this. When you do that, I'm already going to shut shit down. Even if it's cutting off my nose to spite my face, I'm still going to do that because I'm not going to watch you make money off of me when I know you're robbing me and you're doing it in a backyard, like a a roundabout backyard way. Like, you going through the back door to do it. You're not even trying to be straight up with me like, yo, listen, this is what it is. We're going to do this. You're going to end up with this. You're probably going to make more more money than you ever made in your life off of that little bit of publishing, but this is how we're going to do it. Instead, it was, nah, we got to do this because of this. And, like, telling me a bunch of shit that I know wasn't what it was, and I couldn't really I couldn't really get with it. And, like, about a week later, the record supposedly got leaked mm. on YouTube. So, you know, and keep in mind, I didn't have a copy of the record, so I couldn't leak it. Did they try to come at you and say, "Did you leak this?" Come on, I mean, we know how it got. We know why it got leaked. Yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't agree to it. If I'd agree to it, it never got leaked. But again, you know, it is what it is. I just believe in. I stand for what I stand for, and I'm not gonna let somebody treat me like I don't know what I'm supposed to get. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is what it is. I might have lost hundreds of thousands off of that deal at the end of the day, but 
I could sleep in my I could sleep, you know, sleep at sleep at night without a problem, man. Yeah, I mean you don't have to deal with that bullshit. But listen, internet's listen, okay? I want you to pull up the catalog for Austin. Is he, he don't he have a catalog on Spotify? Go to if you want Spotify, go the check makers, go, go yeah, check out that Heat Makers uh, playlist, man. There's a, a super amount of gems on heat the catalog. with a Z, by the way. People always put S at the end. It's a Z. We said, we, we Z. going we going down the journey. Of, of producing, of publishing, of, of 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 making deals, sitting here with the one and only awesomeness, yeah, one half of the, we could say well, legendary yeah, right, no, right heat now makers. It's just, right now, it's just, well, the, the, it's just say, the heat makers. Right Austin now, is heat makers. No more one half. Shouts to Thriller. Heat makers, man. Yeah, big shouts to Thriller. That's my brother, man. But you know, Thriller's Thriller's doing real estate. He's doing other things. He's man. making quick money. Yeah, Thriller want that fast money, man. I'm, I'm with it. Internet, don't go nowhere. Be right back. Cheer. Yes, yes, you're rocking with the best. This is Just Blaze right now. You are checking out the Premium Pete Show. All right? What? Internet's and we're back sitting here with producer Arsonist. Yes, sir. Listen, when all the artists realize that they can make a lot of money off samples, mm-hmm. did they charge you an arm and leg? Um, no. No, let me be honest with you. I wasn't in charge of paying. I mean, I had to end up paying out of what I made, but initially the, the label pays. But I've never paid, to my knowledge, the, the th- things that I've known that I paid for, it's never been more than like five grand. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the most expensive sample I think I've ever had to clear was probably about five grand. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No, no, I wouldn't say it's been. I used a lot of samples early on, right? Yeah. Do you still use a lot of samples? Yeah, of course. Do, do you, so do you like using your... Yeah, that's my sound, man. People yeah. know my sound. They know that's what I do. I don't really... I don't stray away from it because, again, it's my sound. I know what's going on now when people aren't using samples the way I use them. And it could be taboo to, to, to make beats the way I do. But at the end of the day, I, again, I just think people like what feels good. Mm-hmm. And I think my music, not saying my music feels good like it's happy, but it gives you a feeling. And I think that's what people like about it. So I wouldn't change the way I do things. Has anybody ever stole a beat from you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, I, was, I mean, I, I brought a CD to his crib, playing some beats for him, and then... Um, is this an artist I mean, we know? Yeah, big shout to him, man. You know, it's all love, man. You know, I, I don't got no hatred in my heart, man. But then I, I listened to, uh, I think it was the intros to Coke Boys, Coke Boys Three. French had my my record on there that I gave to him, like maybe about at the time, like about six months prior. Mm. It's all love, man. You never it, reached back out and bought your head. Nah, beat. we spoke. He was like, this is right before he he um started fucking with Bad Boy. He was like, yo, I'm about to do the deal with Puff. I'm gonna make it right. Let's um. You know, let's meet up and do some music. Never happened, but again, you know, it is what it is. And I'm not throwing shade to anybody. It's the music industry, man. I don't really, I don't get my hopes up for anything because I don't expect anything from anybody because I don't want to have to be let down. True. Because in this music industry, people will promise you an arm and a leg and give you a toe. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> so you know. That may, that may turn out to be a quote. I can see that yeah, somewhere. Yeah, put that on a T-shirt, man. I, I, <laughs> but, now, yeah, what were you saying? No, I was just saying. So you know, people tell you a bunch of things. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm currently on a text conversation right now about some bread that somebody's supposed to send over, and I, I'm expecting not to get it. Just because that's the best way to me in this industry to live is to expect the worst, and when the best comes, just enjoy it for the time being. Let me ask you, how how important is it to have a relationship with a label? And what I mean by that is because 
there can be like okay, you could go and build your own relationships, like you and French or you and Cam, you're going right. whatever it is, you're in the studio, like, you know, oh come on, man, I know Austin is fifteen years, whatever. Right. But would a person who probably could make a lot of money or, may, or, 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 you know, basically have a lot of business is somebody that, say, the label always calls on? Right. Like, you know, do you know people like... I know a, bunch, ever, of, yeah. I know a bunch of people like that who kind of, it's kind of like they've hit the nursing home of production where they're like, they sit at home and the label calls them for certain projects that may, may mean... They, the project won't see the light of day, but they'll get the money from it. Sure. And they work on about 10 of those a year and they live off of shit sure. like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's no way to to live in this shit, man. It's like, I don't want to be the dude that fades to black and, and I'm doing fucking the music you hear when the credits are scrolling at the end of the show. I don't want to, I don't want to be that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like I've gotten offers to teach at schools, like, you, you know, like music things and things of that nature. And I just refuse to do it now because I feel like that's almost like, that would be the surreal life of my career. Like when I jump on that show, I know I'm hanging it up. So, and so I'm still active. You know what I'm saying? That's when you think you, you you would be calling it in. Yeah, because at that point, I don't. I couldn't dedicate the time that I would need to dedicate to what I do, and I would know that I'm giving it a half-assed effort, and I would just kind of hang it up at that point if that's what it was. From my understanding, too, is like you know, obviously friends with a lot of producers and just, but I don't really know the game, right? I always see just a producers in the lab making beats. Right. I, I mean, that's what that, that's what you do. It's like if a mechanic is fixing cars, right. a producer's in there making beats. But as far as business-wise, like I was saying, in, especially 17 years later, right. who do you know who to go after? Like, do you have people that are, are going to buy? Are you looking for it? Well, or see, at this point, you become the novelty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's almost reverse sales now. Now it's like you're not selling anymore. It's like it's like how can I? It's like Gucci, right? Okay. When Gucci first came out, I'm sure they had to solicit their product to a bunch of people to get pe- get people attention on it. Sure, wear it. Now people hunt down Gucci to find the newest Gucci that's coming out because you know they're they're a brand name that people respect and know, and they don't have to sell themselves anymore. They, you know the name sells itself. So I think I've gotten to that point in my career where the people that were huge Dipset fans. They they become I mean they were huge heat makers fans also so when they reach out to me that's what they want they they're not looking for what's playing now they they want that same feel of two thousand three two thousand four two thousand five and what I'm doing now is like that on steroids mm. you know what I'm saying so they know what they're getting when they come to me so for me it's not me trying to sell myself to anybody so it makes it easier at this point in my career I'm not running around from studio to studio trying to solicit my beats to people like yo please buy this play this for this person now it's I get a call or I get a DM from whether it's uh, Nipsey Hussle's peoples or Rick Ross's peoples or or um, 2 Chainz peoples or 2 Chainz himself because people know my work and they, they know my history so they know what to expect when they ask me for music it's not like a shot in the dark anymore mm. Mm. now I get it because sometimes I'm thinking like it's almost like, um, you know, having a restaurant or a candy store or a sneaker store. And then you're saying like, yo, ain't nobody come in for like an hour and a half. Like, right. But look at, let's say like, 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 um, like Flight Club. Okay. Flight Club, the name promotes itself. Sure. You don't have to promote Flight Club. They put in so much work that when people come into town, they'd be like, you know, Flight, they, right, yeah, Flight Club. Get. So, you know, you think about it like anything, like a, even like a sports player. He gets into the league. He plays for a couple teams. You start to see what he's good at. Now other teams, the other teams know which team needs him now. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, cool. We need a point guard that can shoot and could dribble. That's him. 
We've mm. watched him play for three seasons already. We know his game. We know what we're getting. Sure. The same thing with production. Like, if you want a Swiss beat, you know what you're getting with a Swiss beat. You want a Just Blaze beat, you know what you're getting with Just Blaze. You know what I'm saying? You want a, anything. You want a Pharrell beat, you know what Pharrell sounds like. Timbaland and the list goes on. If you don't have a sound that attached to your name, that people know what it sounds like, you will forever be searching for work. You know, off air we were talking about... Um where we talk about people with tag names like on you know where it's a just right. blaze or right. or or a static selector right. and you were saying that um early on you wanted people to say heat makers right right cuz back then I was I was like that was the era the pre-tag era mm-hmm. it was the era of you get the artist to shout your name out and that was like that was your tag on the beat the artist saying your name and it became uh, you know people wanted to say that yeah because at the time it was almost the bigger your name got the more prestigious your beat was, you know what I'm saying, or the, or whatever you gave them was. So they wanted to say your name on there. You know, growing up, did you were you inspired by certain producers? Like, did you have people that you admired? Um, I don't want to sound arrogant anyway, man, but I I really didn't. I didn't look up to too many musicians, man. Like the only musician to me that I, I was a fan of and like I wanted to meet was Michael Jackson. Mm. You, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, I actually met Michael Jackson one time, but what? I didn't. I didn't meet him. I was. We were in Sony's. This is when Michael was working with. Um, was it Teddy Riley in Sony Studios mm-hmm. at the time? And I was working with. Um, I was working with K. Slay on his album, but Mike had like one side of the studio blocked off for himself. So, I, I leave the studio to go to the bathroom. When I leave the studio in the hallway, all the lights were shut off, and I'm like, I thought it was like a blackout or something. Then I see like security coming through the hallway with flashlights, and they got like about seven security around him and some some of them got the flashlights on him some got the flashlights going down the hall and I froze the fuck up I'm like oh shit that's Michael Jackson first thing I did was call my mother mm. don't ask me why I did that I just I jumped back to being eight years old again like oh shit this is really Michael Jackson like this is the dude that got chicks passing out by asking can he come down in the crowd and sing to them like this is the greatest entertainer of our lifetime is in the same building as me you know, you, you, you've been around, you know, and yeah, I mean, think about Mike, Mike Jack, man. I There'll mean, never be another entertainer no, like him ever in life. Never. I, I can't even jump over that. But 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 going back to where I was going, mm-hmm. you've been in the game for a minute. Right. What has been some of your most memorable moments that you really sit back and admire? My memorable moments are simple moments, man. Like hearing my first song on the radio and me and my homeboy sitting in the car just like, bugging the fuck out that we're hearing I'm Ready played by Funkmaster Flex and we're like and he's bringing it back and we're like this can't be the record that I just made in the basement and gave to them a week ago you know what I'm saying like it's it's almost surreal to be in a club and like my memorable moments are attached to watching people's reaction to my music that's what I really remember I don't like getting big checks and, and, and money moments and things like that they don't hold significant sure. space in my memory because you know, money comes and goes, but seeing the way my music affected different people, that stays with me forever. Like I've met, I met a chick before that I forgot what song it was that I did. And she told me her mother was passing away at one point and she listened to that song over and over again. And she didn't know I did it. I just, I met her on the humble one day. This was years ago. And, um, I'm playing her some of the songs that we sitting in my car and I'm playing some of the songs that I did and that song came on and she just busted out crying and she was like yo my mother was on her deathbed 
I used to play this song over and over again just to get me through the day. And I forgot I forgot what record it was, but it was like a one of those like some a record where somebody was talking about their life. I forgot what record it was though. But just knowing that my music does things like that to people is those are the moments I remember. I mean, when you think about it, what do you want? Like, what do you want your legacy to be? I I just want people to know that I. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't succumb to the to what's going on around me. I kind of made music based on, strictly based on emotion. You know what I mean? Like I don't, again, I don't make music to sound good. I make music to feel good. Mm. So like you know, over the years, I know other producers that might have known me might have been like, yo, he did this record, and there might have been a note off in the bass line or the. I don't give a fuck about none of that. Not you know, excuse my language, man, but. If it feels good, it feels good. The average listener does not know what you're telling me right now. The average n- listener just knows can I, can I, can I fuck with this record or not? They they don't care about all the intricate shit that you're talking about. The this piano key was in the wrong place or this. They don't care about that. How does it make them feel? That's all they care sure. about. We sell feelings. I'm in the business of selling feelings. Mm. I don't sell music. Mm. That's that's where people get it fucked up. I don't sell music at all. I'm I don't even can really consider myself a musician. I just I, I'm in the business of selling feelings to people. That's what they pay for. It's like porn. You understand? Like we don't leave with anything. <laughs> when you buy music, you don't leave with anything. You don't leave with uh, nowadays. You don't even leave with a CD. So there's nothing to hold on to. Music is intangible. No so, tangible, yeah. Right. So we're not selling anything physical. We're selling feelings to people. So when people get it fucked up, yo, I'm the best rapper, I'm the best producer, it doesn't matter. We're selling feelings to people. Like, can I can I shift somebody's emotion faster than you can? That's, that's really the game. Like, if they put on my song, will they, like, if somebody jumps in the gym and they put my song on, will it make them do 10 extra reps more than yours? Mm. I beat you if that's the case. You understand what I'm saying to you? We're in the business of selling feelings. Once people understand that, that we're not selling anything real, we're like magicians. They're here for the show. Like you, you pay to, you pay for something that you can never hold on to. Mm. We pay nine ninety nine for iTunes, and we we will never get any anything in the palm of our hands ever. But we pay nine ninety nine for that feeling anytime we want it. Sure, sure. And that and that means a lot. You know, you you also work with Lil Wayne. Yeah. Now, w- w- one track that is definitely special is the Mob. Yeah. Money, young money, motherfuck the other side. They can fuck with us if they won't. I bring them home aside. Word to my mama, I'm gon' continue bombing. So like getting out the game is like coming out of a coma. I'm trying. How did that come about? Uh, well, you know, Wayne was um around Dipset for a minute, around 2004, I want to say 2004, 2005, and um a good friend of mine, British. Who has he was used to do security for Dipset at the time. I think now he manages Cam. He um he hit me up like, yo, Wayne is working on the album and I'm cool with cash money, give me some beats. So I gave him about gave him about like six or seven beats. This is like April. And he hits me back in October, like, yo, Wayne wants two of those beats. And we just off to the races. Like the album came out November, if I'm not mistaken, the Carter two came out November fifth. 2005 and I turned in the tracks like beginning of October mm. Mm. and he had the CD since April did you get paid for that because you oh, know guarantee Ross said you know can no, all no, producers no, no, please no, get paid guarantee guarantee let me tell you something about me any of my work that you see floating around money has been put in my pocket mm. like the the one instance I told you about with French yeah that's the one instance like I don't you won't 
heat makers is not getting pimped for free. Like that's not happening. Mm. I'll rap to the shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not in the business of, again, all the things that I've just said, I went through all of that to get here. What makes you think I'm going to give you some music for free? Knowing sure. all the shit that I've been through to get here. It's been one hell of a journey. You know, yeah. you know, growing up, you know, you think back to mom and pops and you getting kicked out of school. Right. Did Were they ever worried about you? Like, what no, you... they still don't know I got kicked out of school. Okay. So hopefully <laughs> never, they don't listen no, to the never, I mean, but I, now it ain't nothing to tell them. I'm semi-successful yeah. now, you know. So. But do they, do they even understand what you do? My father understood when he opened one of my checks by accident mm. that came to the crib at the time. And it was that one check was probably what he made for the year, mm-hmm. and it, he understood real quick. Like, nah, I got to stop playing with him. This is like, no, nah, he's serious. Cause the, the his first experience was I wanted him to. I was trying to buy a um, a Benz early on, and I needed him to co-sign because my credit was bad. But I had sure. the I had the money. Sure, you had the money. Yeah. yeah, and he was like, he still looked at me as like, you know, like this is, this is uh, this is uh, my little son. You know, he want to buy Benz. He can't afford it. I'm not co-signing because he he didn't understand how. Again, like if you're not in the music business, you don't understand how you make money. You don't understand how you make money off of selling records. So to him, it was like, yo, I just hear him making noise in the basement. Now he want to buy Benz. What are you talking about? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So all that shit changed real quick when that first check popped up and he opened it by accident, and then everything changed. You you ever bought anything for them? Uh, that my that, parents? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. I mean, but that's, you know, like simple shit. No no big shit like cars or houses and nothing like that. Because, again, my father worked, my father makes bread. I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's, like, yeah, you he's, not, he's not twisted. He's an engineer. He make bread. My mother, I hold my mother down all the time. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Anything she want, it is what it is. Well, you think about it, too. The reason why I say that, too, is when you, when you were heavy with Dipset and you make, you know, and they may not have known what you were doing. Right. You know, and then you running with all these dudes. Wow, it's a wow. Let me tell you how my mother, how my mother knew what it was. Like the check was the reason how my father knew what it was. My mother knew what it was because of a UPS man. A UPS man came to the crib one day to deliver a plaque, and on the box it said Heat Makers, and she gave he gave it to her, and he was like, um, "You know the Heat Makers?" And she was like, "Yeah, that's what she was like, it was my son." And he was <laughs> like, "Yo, yo, that's just yo, hold on." And he starts rapping for my mother and shit, and she calls me like, "Yo." The UPS man had me in front of the door for about 15 minutes rapping to me. She said, I don't know what he said. I, I, he, you must be a big deal for him to be rapping. I'm like, I mean, because she didn't really understand what it was. Cause, sure, you know, sure. She ain't looking at hip-hop shit like it means something, like her son making music in the basement means some shit until other people start to recognize it. And then she kind of caught on when, again, any plaques I would get, I would get, I, I would order a second set for her so to hang up in the crib so she could kind of, understand sure, sure, what's going on like it, people come over and they're like oh shit who, how you got this but like oh my son did that and then they let her they let her know how important that is because she you know my mother's my mother's an old school jamaican woman man she don't really care about shit like that mm-hmm. she just cares that her son could 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 survive out here that's sure, what she sure, cares make about. something no no that's right. important you know you're a family guy too right you got an older daughter right younger daughter yeah you're like me i got an older daughter younger son though you know, we press we press the reset button in God life. God bless me with two girls. Torture me twice. <laughs> I love. Them I, to, thank I, God, yo, I, I did love them to death, man. I, I love my daughter to death, but I did not want another daughter. I was like, yo, I'll take a son. You give me the best of both worlds, because it was just a. a, a Listen, man, when your daughter get to the dating stage, oh my God. and you're a guy who you know what type of creep scumbag thing sure. goes on out here, you almost. 
you just got to grin and bear it, man, because I went through it with my first daughter as far as, like, just having to really be the aggressive father with with certain young dudes that I knew what they wanted. Does You know what I mean? And I hate sure. to be that dude because I was the dude on the other end when sure. I was younger. But, you know, it's a rite of passage, man. You got to gotta go through it. Uh, of course. You know, being a producer, too, you know, and and having a family, you know, how guys, like, you know, in the studio all night and day. Right. How did you separate to make time for for your kids, especially um, your old your oldest, because your youngest. To be honest with you, me and my oldest daughter, we more had a best friend type of relationship than a father daughter. Because when I had her, I was a I was a young naive twenty twenty one, about to be twenty two year old. You know what I mean? So we learned a lot from each other. So again, I missed a lot of time with my first daughter, as far as like in her earlier the early stages like maybe from like one till about five then after five she came to live with me and we just kind of you know we took it from there but this time around I'm you know I'm older and I'm more mature and I understand how important it is to kind of be in every situation in your kid's life so you know but before I kind of had to do it to kind of to survive man I think she kind of learned a lesson from it too that you can do what you want to do without having to do the traditional nine to five. I think she learned that from watching me grow up. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And that's important for them to see that, uh, you know, you don't just don't have to get stuck behind a cubicle. Right. Like she even called me the other day and she wants to start like she, um, she wants to start her own business. She asked me how to get it started. I, I like questions like that because to me, it's, it lets me know that she's thinking outside the box of not just graduating college and starting a nine to five and, entering the work world you know what i'm saying like i kind of want her to do do something on her own to appreciate being an entrepreneur and appreciate sure. a dollar you know what i mean so sure. who who are some of your favorite people to work with over the years um obviously dipset mm-hmm. um, of course i mean yeah, I, uh, it's amazing that you have lasted that long with somebody yeah. it's not you know yeah, i'm not crazy. saying i'm not saying it's, it's not normal i'm saying and it but, still sounds and it still sounds authentic that's sure. the hard part um Capone and Noriega, just two funny dudes. I just, you know what I mean? Those are my niggas. Um, MOP was my favorite group mm-hmm. growing up, so working with them was like a, was like almost like a dream come true for me at the time. Um, um, two Chains is my homeboy. He's mm-hmm. a f- funny-ass dude. So, like, anytime work... It, Anytime you work with somebody that has a personality, Fred the Godson, who's my sure. homeboy, he's one of the funniest dudes. Fred, I, Fred's nasty, man. Yo, I'm... What, I, yo... With Fred, man, I'm still confused that he hasn't, like, no, we gone got, to the next level. It's, it's, everything takes time, man. The foundation just had to be right, but now... That dude is nasty, man. Now, Fred is a beast. We were making some moves now. He got a record with Ross that um we're about to let fly in a minute. We're doing a, a single deal with uh, Steve Stout's new distribution situation. That's good. I don't even know if I should have said that, but yeah, it, that is what it is anyway. Well, shouts to him. <laughs> Let me ask him, do you miss the era of being in the studio? together with everybody of course guaranteed that's the only that's the only way to make that's the only way to make real authentic music to me everything else is like it's how the world is working now we, we're becoming we're getting further and further out of contact with each other i seen a kid on the train the other day bag a chick and ask her for her instagram <laughs> like this is the you understand like this is you the, me how much you're on ig right, yo. right like you had the opportunity to ask her for her phone number where you can talk to her direct you ask her for her IG, like, this is the way the world is going. So I guarantee you about 10, 15 years from now, I hope they could pull this show up and, and, and validate what I'm about to say. Sports will be worse. Mm-hmm. 
sports will be way worse because the talent level will be worse because of lack of interaction. People don't want to go out and play no more. People don't want to learn how to how to shoot a basketball. People don't want to learn how to hit a baseball. Like you're going to see sports taken over by a lot of foreign players because overseas they probably won't have the luxury of sitting on an iPhone for 18 hours a day. You know what I'm saying? Like when we were kids, how did you get punished? You couldn't go outside. True. Now the punishment is I'm taking your laptop. Go outside. So when you go outside, it's like kids are lost looking around like, what the fuck am I supposed to do out here? There's no keys. There's no keyboard. There's no, you understand? Like, so it's, the the game is backwards now. So you're going to start to see a, a deterioration in talent. Like th- things of like using computers and computer programming, all that's going to go through the roof. Because kids are going to sit inside and learn that shit like the back of their hand. Like my daughter is, now she's one and a half. She could damn near go through my iPhone and get sure, to certain sure. things. Yeah. And she could be, she can't even talk. You understand what I'm saying to you? So the game is, is is different now. So music is becoming more disposable. Like when you listen to a hot record, how long does it last for you now? A couple of days, if maybe that. a week. If that. It has to be really hot. It has for to be really good for really two weeks. Really hot to last for two weeks. When we yeah, grew no, up, how long, how long did a good record last when we were like in the 90s? Long time, man. Or even early 2000s. About at least a good record, a good record, not even great, a good record would last you about three months. You know, you, you know, would make it through the summer. You know what I liked about, um, you know, records back in the day is that when you had an album, I wouldn't, it would take time for me to get through the whole album. Right. And I wouldn't, and I would realize, I was like, oh shit, there's gems on this album right. that weren't played on the radio. Right. That were real good. And, and that's what you really bought the album for yeah. if you were a fan. Sure. You didn't care. Like me, when I buy albums that I like, I never listen to the radio records. Mm. I always skip those. You know what I'm saying? Because I bought it for the other things that you can't get on the radio. Now, it's not about that. Now it's, yo, what's your radio record? All right, cool. Yeah, that's fire. How many other records you got? 10? All right, yeah, cool. Just put that out because the radio record is going to stream 20 million anyway. It doesn't sure. matter. And the rest will get counted with that. So we good. You know, I don't even want to get into this whole fully, but I mean, you know, it's almost that shit has almost become like life. And what I mean by that is like we're listening to something five hundred times until we never want to listen to it again. Right. It's kinda of like being with somebody and you get tired of them. Right. It's like it's like overload. Like yeah. like, like it's almost like where you know But we have to listen to it five hundred times now because music comes out so consistently that we have to almost burn this song into our head before it's gone forever. You know what I mean? Because it's like a junk pile. New song comes out, it goes in the junk pile, but it's on top. So listen to it as much as you can while it's on top before the new heap comes sure. and buries that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we do now. Now we don't, we, we go back to certain records. Like you might go on Spotify and go dig up a Tribe Called Quest or, or uh, older things, but you won't go back to the, the stuff that came out last year. The stuff that came out last year is forever dead until it becomes nostalgic. So there's that dead period, you know what I mean? Because people feel funny going back to the media, the, the the middle stuff, like the stuff that isn't old and isn't new. That's almost taboo. People just leave that there. It's like, all right, cool, that's done. It's like, and I'm not knocking them, so I, I don't want them to take it like this. But I'm I'm just naming a group. Let's say even like Yin Yang Twins, right? People will will go back and listen to like the Whisper song ten years from now because then it'll be old and nostalgic. Like, oh, remember this? But now it's all it's almost like it happened. It happened not too long and not so they're kind of like, I right, just leave that where it's at. And a lot of music gets buried like that, never to see the light of day again because people don't really sell CDs no more. Mm. So, again, back to our conversation. If you don't have the tangible object to look at, because a lot of reasons why we played our CDs because we was in the car. We saw the case like, oh, yeah, I want to listen to this. 
Now it's just like, let me go see what's trending on iTunes. I'm listening to that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, unless you think of something, you won't just type in a name in iTunes unless it's been on your brain sure, all day. Sure, sure, sure. I so, mean, that's why sometimes I got to challenge myself, like, you know, and listen to so much different stuff or else you get caught and listen to the same shit. Yeah. You know, I pull out the Hall Notes. I pull out the Phil Collins. And I pull out the KRS-One. You know, yeah, I, listen to, I have to listen. To, I mean, not I have to, but I just, that's like my job to listen to different shit all sure. the time. So I hear different music. And plus, people come in and play me shit all the time. So I'm hearing new shit, old shit. In my opinion, good shit, bad shit, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of bad shit before you get to the good shit. But as we wind this episode down, you know, being someone who was instrumental in, in, in creating so many different sounds for Dipset. Right. What's what what's 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 the thought when when you when when you mention somebody like Cam? Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm gonna go over the whole group. Um, with Cam, I would just say fearless man. Like I've watched Cam, <laughs> whether it's suing people or making moves or just saying or treating certain people certain ways. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean like the person that wouldn't get handled a certain way. Cam is gonna say what he feels because. He knows what he's trying to get out of a situation. Mm. So I would, with Cam, I would say fearless, man, like in the sense of he don't really care who it is. He knows what he's supposed to get. Mm. And he, he's going to make sure that happens. What about someone like Jim Jones? Hustler. Mm. Like Jim, Jim has done everything under the sun since I've met him. Like he has a vamp, he has a vamp life mobile thing now. He had the vamp buried, the, the juice thing. He mm-hmm. had... Um, the he, vamp life he clothing got, line. He got the vamp life clothing line. He got the Richmond Rough Riders team that he's a, he's a part owner of. He got... Uh, and I know I'm missing shit because if he was here, he'd probably run down everything. But he's also... He got the album that just came out. Jim was Jim was a fucking... One of the people over at... He was a head like A&R over at Sony a couple years back. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's done everything you could think of with the tools that he's had. Mm. Like, if you look at Dipset, and this is no knock to Jim, but this is a fact, you would have picked Jim the last member to be winning out of Dipset mm. in this day and age. You would have thought, I mean, obviously Cam, Jewels, but you would have thought Jim would have probably got lost in the mix. Jim is still alive and kicking and relevant in 2018 mm. and making great music. So with with Jim, I would definitely say Hustler. Mm. What about uh, Jewel Santana? Jewel, I have to say, I think... I, the the big thing I can say about him, I think underrated. Mm. I think Joel's was. One Why of you the, say that for? Because I think Joel's I think Joel's was the 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 head of the new frontier of rap, and he never got his just due. And I'm not saying to it was blamed on anybody else. I just feel like he we we haven't seen the best of Joel Santana. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just I just know the potential that he has and the music that he's made that nobody's probably ever heard. Mm. And it's better some mu- it's better than a lot of music that that's been floating around here. What about that boy Freaky Zeke? It's a wild card. Yeah, <laughs> now, Zeke is a good dude, man. Zeke is just a wild card, man. But Zeke is a at the end of the day, they all good dudes. When I say wild card with Zeke, I just mean because with Zeke you don't know what you're gonna get, man. You you're always gonna get a good dude, but you just never know what you're gonna get. Zeke might come into the studio wild and just bugging out, or he might come into the studio and just chill, sitting in the car like you don't know. But good dude. All of them are good dudes, man. Like, I'm I'm happy I actually came into the game with these dudes as opposed to other people I could have came into the game with. Sure, sure. And you guys made history. What's next for Austinist? Uh What's next? Uh, more Diplomatic, mm-hmm. which is the new Dipset album we're working on. I'm, you know, I'm knee-deep in that. 
Jim's album just came out. I co-executive produced Wasted Talent, which is dope. That's on iTunes. Go listen to that. Um, uh, I got like a little EP with two chains I'm working on. Um, I got a project with Joel Ortiz and Fred the Godson that I'm putting together. Mm. Two two bars, guys. Yeah, it's called. Um, I don't even know if I should. I, I shouldn't give out the name yet. I don't think they want to give out the name yet. Okay. Pro, yeah, Joel Ortiz and Fred the Godson. I got a project with Fred the Godson and um, Music Soul Child. I'm doing nice. And um, yeah, just working, man. You know, like I said, TV work, movie work. Mm. Check out that new Uncle Drew soundtrack. Got a song on there with Dipset called Stronger, featuring my man Drama. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the journey is is sometimes I think I, I tell people this all the time. Some people don't realize how special that journey was or is. That's the best part. because it's it's their own. So you're just living your own oh, life. Oh yeah, right? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I never realized how special my journey was, man. Because it's like a lot of shit is like a, and you know how it is, man. It's like a, it's like you blink. Sure, and it's and, it. you, and it's five years later. Sure. But when people listen to this, I think they'll get a little bit more understanding of who Austin is, how he grew up. And I like that. I like that we were able to sit down and build, man. There's so many different, like, that's one thing I really admire about, I've sat down with so many different producers, just the the mindset to create. And yeah. I like the way you put it. That was the first time I ever heard, like how you, like you said, I'm not selling music, I'm selling feelings. Yeah. And I like that because growing up, like, and as weird as, this is, for maybe, some people may relate to it, but like I remember growing up and even like when I had heartbreaks at a younger age, right. I used to play depressing music yeah. just to make Boys me... Boys to Men. Yeah, shit, shit on Bending Knee. I remember I played on Bending Knee. Yo, on Bending Knee was, yo. This chick left me, what grade was that? <laughs> Who knows? That Probably. shit might have been like freshman year high school or something. Man. I played on Bending Knee until I remember my, one of my sisters was like, you turn that shit off? <laughs> I can't hear that shit no more, but you know, that's what it is. It's feelings, man. If I, if I name a song, you can tell me how you felt when that shit came out. Man, it's 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 crazy when you think of that, man. It is. But listen, uh, what what are you on uh, Twitter? Uh, Twitter's uh, the Heatmakers with a Z. Okay, and, and Instagram. Instagram is official Heatmakers. Official Heatmakers. Internet. Listen, hit them up. Let them know what's going on. And the studios studios out there. If you're in the city, Fifty Second and Broadway. Holla at me. Listen, keep making them beats. Keep continue to live that journey. And now you got two doors that are about to drive you crazy, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, my brother. I appreciate oh, it, Oh, come man. on, man. Listen, the journey is special. Um, I know the internets are going to love this one. Internets, see you next episode. Awesomeness. Peace. Yes, sir. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, Whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com and let's get working. Okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms of the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheer.